fail videos. Today we're going to be talking about the F word. Anybody know what the F word is? In my house, it's fat. Don't go nasty on me. We don't use the F word in my house, fat. But today we're going to talk about another F word. Uh, we say fluffy. If we're going to use that F word, it's, it's fluffy at our house. Um, but today we're going to talk about the F word, failure. And uh, the last three weeks we've been in an accidental series. This doesn't happen to me all the time. Normally, if I'm doing a series, it's planned out, mapped out. And uh, from the first part of the first message, I know exactly where I'm going to be at the third part of the last message. Uh, but God has been working on me weekly, and, uh, and had this what was supposed to be a one-time message, we talked about better together. Then last week, we just talked about better, and this week, God has brought me to this place, and we're going to talk about better than failure. And uh, I, was, I was thinking to myself, what's a good way to communicate failure uh, to the congregation? And I love whenever I'm bored. Anybody ever gets a time where you just need to zone out because life is kind of tough? Just, you just need time to just say, okay, I need to shut my brain off. Well, I do that sometimes. And two ways that I do that, I do it a lot of ways, but some ways I do it is watching pimple-popping videos. We're not going to talk about that today. We talk about that a lot already. Uh, or epic fail videos. This is called an epic fail video. I have a twisted sense of humor. I'm sorry, but I think it's funny when people hurt themselves. Okay, I'm glad somebody else laughed because let's just be honest. Your first thing is, are you okay? And then after you find out there's no concussion, there's no brain damage, then you're like, <laughs> please tell me I'm not the only person. Okay, at least, okay, there's some honest people in here. I have a twisted sense of humor, so I was like, okay, well, we're going to be talking about failure today. And so there are some failures that are funny. So I, whenever I'm zoning out, I'll watch these videos. I think they're hilarious. I'll be honest with you. I thought the canopy idea was a cool one until I saw the video. And I was like, oh, well, that's not probably a good idea. And so I won't be putting that on the youth game list, so you guys know. Uh, but uh, today we're going to be talking about failure. And, and, I, and so I like watching failure videos. And, and some failures are funny, aren't they? Some are funny. Like, you know, some things aren't funny whenever you're in the middle of it. But when you think about it later, it is funny, right? I'll tell you how God works. Y'all want to know how God works? Last week, I was talking, I, I preached and, and talking about better, and I referenced my electrical abilities. Anybody remember last week me talking about it? And I said I had put in an electrical socket from my dad when we were redoing his house. And, uh, and apparently, I am not good with electricity because I kept electrocuting myself two or three times. And by the third time, I just I went and picked up a paintbrush and said, I ain't messing with no electricity. You better give me something else to do. And so this week, because we just bought a house, and so I feel pressured, men know what I'm talking about, to be the man, okay? And so the man, whenever something's broken, we either, we have one or two options, well, one of three options. First one, it just stays broken. <laughs> yeah, that honey to-do list that, you know, never gets to do But anyways, um, so one thing is it stays broken. Another thing is you hire it out. But, you know, we just bought a house, and i got to figure this stuff out. You know, i got a long mortgage. So i got to figure out how to work on stuff. And so I decided, well, when we bought the house, there was this chandelier that was there when we looked at it. And whenever we came back, they said, look, we're going to take the chandelier with us but we have one that looks just like it that we're going to bring back and we're going to have installed for you. So I was like, oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, I ain't got to do anything. That's fine. Well, that was like two months ago. Their, their contractor got busy. He couldn't get to us. And so the contractor said, hey, I'll bring it by. And either you can install it or I'll come by and install it when I can. 
Well, we've had a dark room for two months. And so I said, okay, I can either pay somebody or I can do this. Now, things changed since I helped my dad four or five years ago because now I get on YouTube to learn everything. How many uses YouTube as your uh, stuff for dummy teacher? Okay, so I'm not alone. So I got on YouTube, and I, and I, and I got on there, and I, I searched how to install a chandelier. I've done this before with less painful things. I've, I've searched how to grill a perfect steak. There's no pain involved. There's just maybe a bad taste, a little tough meat if you get it wrong. And so I was thinking, so I watched this video, and they made it look real easy. Oh, my goodness, they made it look so easy. So I get on this video, I watch it, and I'm like, oh, well, you just pull this wire down, you pull this wire down, you make sure the switch is off, you make sure the breaker's off. I can do this. Anybody else ever said that? Like famous last words? And so I, I do everything. Now, the problem with me turning off the right breaker is this. There's never been a light in this place, so I don't really know which breaker touches or cuts that light off. So I said, okay, I'm going to do the best I can. Go to my breaker box. And so I cut off the breakers that I think go to that switch or go to that light. And so I'm, I'm going to go up there. I'm good. And I bought a tester. Now, you know, testers don't do any good if you don't know how to use them. <laughs> Anyways, so I get up there and I, I think I'm using my tester right And none of the lights light up So I'm like, okay, I'm good And I, I get up there, I get on this ladder And you already know I don't like heights I'm too fluffy to fall And so gravity likes me too much So I get up on this 7 foot ladder Which to me feels like 23 and a half And I get up there, I, I test it, it's good so I'm like, okay, so I pull these things down. I get the nuts out that I need. I get the electrical tape out I need. And I lift the chandelier up. The first thing I think of is, hmm, this is a two-man project because this chandelier is heavy. So I figure, okay, what would Dad do? So I got my kid's little play table. And then I got a TV table. And then I got another TV table. And that's where I put the chandelier at. I really should have taken a picture of this. Because this is a true story. I said, hmm. I poked it a little bit. It wobbled. I was like, it'll hold. <laughs> and so I put the chandelier on there. So now I'm good. I got the, the wires up there. I'm not having to hold it. And so I get into the electrical box. I get into the cusp, into the meat of the project. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord. And he didn't listen to none of my prayers yesterday. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I said, or the, other, or the other day, I said, Lord, please don't let me electrocute myself. So I get in there. And I, I tape up, I figure out which wire goes where, I tape it up, put the nut on there, tape it up, and I, I go to moving around, and I say, whoa, whoa, that's not an exaggeration. I'm on a ladder, and that thing touches me. It, he touched me, that's what I felt like. That electrical current reached down, touched me, and my foot started, and I jumped back, my, my tools ended up across the floor, and I said, Jesus, why didn't you listen to me? And this happened about seven or eight times this time. <laughs> Yeah, and last time it took me three, but this time I had to get the project done. And so seven or eight, that, and that last time I was on that ladder, and I'm just going to be 100% honest with you. I was on that ladder, and that thing touched me. I said, whoa. I just started, what, nobody in the house but me and Bellany, but I was just looking around. 
And I started questioning my life decisions like, Jesus, maybe I should have done something else with my life. Maybe this is the wrong house altogether. Maybe I should have just kept renting my apartment because I don't, if that thing touches me again, Jesus, I might be with you in the air. I said, I don't know that I can take another one of those. And uh, so anyway, so eventually I figured out there was an open wire somewhere. I called Josh because he knows a little bit about electricity. And I, and I complained for about 10 minutes. He said, well, you probably got an open wire somewhere. And I did everything except hang up on him because I was like, well, duh. So I apologize. I don't think I've apologized for being rude to Josh. So there you go. And sure enough, I got up there, pulled it down. There's a little exposed wire, and I covered it up, and I didn't kill myself. And, and so, but stories like that, they're funny. They weren't funny yesterday. They were not funny when I was doing this project at all. But today, it's funny to me. I can handle it. So there are some failures. And if you were to grade me on my ability to install a chandelier, what grade would you give me on that story? Okay. I was thinking letter grade, but 2.5 will do. You buy a lot of stuff on Amazon, don't you? (laughs) And so I would probably give myself an F, okay, a D, an F. You know, maybe D for dummy, F for failure, but either of those would probably do good. So that's a failure that, I've, that, I've, that apparently I have. And it's a funny failure, but not all of our failures are funny, are they? You know, these funny, these failures that we watched on the, on the screen earlier, they were funny. But there are some failures that are not as funny. Like, for example, with myself, one of my failures is that I struggle trusting people. Anybody else struggle trusting people? And that's a failure. We may not look at it, but really the Bible calls us to trust one another and to love one another. And the Bible says that we should give trust freely. And so it's a failure of mine that I don't easily trust people. But it's because I've been hurt. And there have been times where I've trusted people and my trust was misused. And I was taken advantage of. But still, even if there's a reason for it, it's still a failure. You know, sometimes we like to justify our failures, don't we? There are some failures that are not funny. You know, another failure that I think I have in my life is trying to hide my failures. Anybody else try to hide your stuff? In a couple weeks, we're going to be talking about skeletons in the closet. You need to come out for that. I'm going to be, God's preaching it to me right now. I'll preach it to you in a couple weeks. But the truth is, is that I think all of us, we try to hide our failures because we don't like to admit them ourselves. We think that it's better to just go unseen and untalked about. You ever had your dad or your mom say, well, we just don't talk about that? When in reality, a lot of our failures that we just try to sweep under a rug They need to be talked about. You see, we look at failures and we hide them kind of like this little book is hidden. See, y'all didn't even know this was here, did you? This is an accidental illustration. It would have been there all day and none of you would would have known it unless you're on stage or you saw my son playing with it earlier. Because it was hidden and it was well hidden. You see, the thing is, is that when we have failures in our life, we hide them. And then we think we hide them good enough that no one will know. Adam and Eve thought the same thing. You see, they sinned and they ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. And then they they hid from God when they heard him coming. Here's the problem with hiding from God. You can't. You can hide your failure, and I can hide my failure behind anything and everything. And the truth is, is that, yes, some people may never know 
about our failure, but that doesn't mean our failure doesn't exist. I can't ignore my failure and expect it to go away. I can't look at my failure and say, you know what, I'm just going to put this under a rug because I'm not proud of it. I can't, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to get there in a minute. We hide our failures, and I'll tell you what happens when we hide them. We begin to feel very alone. We begin to feel very alone in our failure because in order to continue to hide our failure, we got to block people out of our lives. If you're going to cheat on your wife, you can't tell your best friend about it. Ooh, Jesus. If you're going to lie on your taxes, oh, tax season coming, first year being self-employed, I understand the temptation. If you're going to gossip about people, you got to be careful who you gossip to. Well, I didn't say that. Girl, you said that to me and Sally last week. What happens whenever there's failure in our life, we begin to hide ourselves from people for fear of, that they're going to find out who I am. And the problem with that, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is that God already knows. Why do I care what Josh thinks about my failure whenever he's a man just like I am? Why do I care what Miss Beth thinks about my failure? Because she's a, she's a human and a, and a child of God just like I am. And neither of, those, neither of their opinions are going to determine where I spend eternity. But I tell you what I should care about is what God thinks of my failure. I need to think about what the Father thinks about where I'm at because while people, they may judge me and they may talk about me, it's the Father that matters because he's the one that's going to decide whether or not I get to have eternal peace that's why I can't hide my failure because I may be happy with my struggles but I'm not going to be happy if I live my entire life hiding all of my failures and I get to the gates and the Lord says to me depart because I don't know you well that's tough preaching I said last week my mom would hear hellfire and brimstone and she ain't even here today to hear it So in failure, we often try to hide stuff, and we feel like we're alone when we're there. And I want you to hear my heart because I'm not, I don't even want you to feel like I'm preaching at you. Honestly, I told the priest, the praise team today I'm preaching from this perspective because this is what God's been working on me. This is how he's been working on me this week. And so here's the thing. We need to understand that we all fail. The Bible says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think we hide our sins and we hide ourselves away from people because we think they're going to judge us. We think, well, I'm the only person who's ever done this. I'm the only person who's ever sinned like I sin. I'm the only person who's ever struggled like I struggle. And I need to tell somebody today, you are not the innovator of your sin. You are not the inventor of your struggle. You are not the first that has struggled like you struggle. There have been people, and there are people today, that struggle just like you do. And so we all, we all sin, and we all fall short. We all fail. And so that means that we're all on an even playing ground. Today I want to talk to you about better than failure. I need to tell somebody, you are better than your failure. 
I want to talk to you about how God's been talking to me this week. This week, I, I, I'm not going to go into my own personal life in this way, but I, I had a failure in my life. It's a, it was a small one to me. And, I, and it wasn't with anybody. Honestly, it was just the way I was thinking about something. And God pointed out to me, he said, Jay, that's wrong. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't go off on anybody. I don't have a funny Big Mac story from McDonald's. You know, it's just... I was, it was just my thinking, because sometimes you're thinking to get you in trouble, won't it? He said, Jay, that's not right. You need to change the way you think. And I got to thinking about failure and how we're all susceptible to it. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or a worship leader or you just come in and sneak in and leave out before anybody sees you at church. We all are susceptible to failure. We all fail, and, and the truth is, and so when I start developing this message, I start looking for Bible examples of failure. You know what I found? Lots of them. There are lots of examples of failures in the Bible. I, I mean, you think about Adam and Eve, who we talked about a while ago. They failed. They ate the fruit they weren't supposed to. You think about Peter, who was Jesus' inner circle guy, who loved Jesus, who tried to cut off a guy's ear because he was trying to arrest Jesus, but even he failed. I think about Saul, who killed a lot of the early church members. He failed, but you know what I found out about failures? Y'all want to know? Failures can be world changers. Because the, we think about Saul, who once he gave his failure to the Lord, he became Paul and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Gave us the understanding of the covenant of grace. I think about Peter, who was a pillar of the early church, even though he had failed the Lord whenever Jesus was being crucified. I need to tell somebody today that your failure is not final. That you may feel like the failures in your life and the struggles in your life, they define you. But I need to tell somebody today that you may be struggling and you may have things in your life that are not where they should be. But that does not mean that's where you have to stay. I need to tell somebody today that the grace of God is good enough and strong enough to reach out and touch you in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your struggle. And your failure can, does not define who you're going to be for the rest of your life. The only thing that has to define you, that can define you, is as a child of God. I need to tell somebody today that you may have mistakes in your life, but God is calling out to you, and he's looking for you. You may be a seasoned saint or a sinner that's in this church, but I need to tell somebody in the middle of your failure, God's got you, he's looking for you, he's waiting on you, and what are you going to do about it? We all have failure. We all have failure, and the good thing is that failure is not final. Since Adam, we've, we've been pulled toward failure. And here's the question I want to ask you as we, get, as we really get into the scripture in a minute. What happens when failing goes from what we do to who we are? I want you to think about that question. What, what happens when failing goes from what we do to who we are? For example, if I'm walking around right now and I trip and I fall, you're going to be like, oh, Pastor Jay tripped and fell. No big deal. But if I do it three times today, well, and you're going to laugh at me, <laughs> probably. But if I do it three times today and I do it four or five times tomorrow, what are you going to say? He's klutz. He's a klutz. He's, he falls all the time. You see, what I did 
became who I was. You understand where I'm coming from? You see, some of our failures, it starts off as something I do. But then people start pointing out, hey, you do that a lot. You didn't just cheat once, you're a cheater. You didn't just lie once, you're a liar. You didn't gossip once, you're a gossiper. You didn't just hate once, you're a hater. You see, sometimes our failures that we fail at once or twice, people label us with those same failures and say, you know what, that's who you are. And then we start hearing that over and over again. Well, maybe I am just a liar. Maybe I am no good. Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe I am unlovable. And the problem is that when people start labeling us with these things, we start to pick them up and believe them. You know, if someone tells you something enough, you'll believe it's true. That's why you got to guard who you allow into your life and who you allow to speak into your life. And even whenever you're speaking into each other's life and you're speaking into your kids' lives, you've got to be careful. I've got to be careful about what I'm saying. Because if I tell my kid, you are always in trouble, you know what my kid's going to be? Always in trouble. If I tell my kid, you are so disrespectful all the time, you are the most disrespectful kid I've ever seen, what's he going to be? to be careful about what we say to our kids and the people that we love there comes a point where people talk say these things about us and then we pick up these labels and we apply them to ourselves well maybe maybe I am a liar maybe I am a lost cause maybe I'll never get it right maybe I am just a failure and here's the problem once you pick them up they are really hard to put down Once we pick up these labels that people have placed in our lives, you're always going to be a drug head. You're always going to be a liar. You're always going to be an alcoholic. You're always just going to be a religious person that treats people badly. Once we pick these labels up, they're really hard to put down because they become truth to us. But I need to tell somebody today, and I'm going to give you a scripture in just a second. We're going to walk through the story together. I need to tell somebody today that your failure does not define you and it doesn't have to be a prison for you. You don't have to be imprisoned by the things that people have said about you. You don't have to be imprisoned by, the, by your failures that you know about that you define yourself by. Because sometimes you're your own worst critic, amen? Nobody knows me like I know me. Nobody knows my addictions like I know my addictions. You may say you love me and you may say I'm a good person. You may say this, this, and that, but you don't know me. You see, sometimes we pick up these, these, these labels of failure and these labels that describe us and we put them on our own lives. But I need to tell somebody today, you are, if you believe in, even if you don't believe in Jesus, you are created in God's image. And you don't have to be defined or chained by the things that you failed at. Let's turn to Luke chapter 15. As we turn into Luke chapter 15, I want to jump to verse 4. We're getting to the prodigal son, but but as we get there, I want to point some things out to you. Verse 4 says this. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness 
and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Let's jump to verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? So before we even get to our story, Jesus is setting up an idea that the Father is concerned with those things that are lost. I need to tell somebody today that God is concerned with those that are separated from Him. That includes those who have already followed Him. You see, here's the thing I love about Jesus is that after He was crucified, we know that Peter denied Him three times. And But what Peter did is he went back to fishing. He had walked with Jesus. He loved Jesus. He'd seen miracles. But then when things got hard, he failed and he ran. And Jesus, whenever he was resurrected, he went and found him. The Father is concerned about those that have never met him and those that have left him and those that are far from him. He is concerned about lost things. And you may be in here today and you may say, well, Pastor Jay, I got saved when I was three and a half or I got saved ten minutes ago. I'm telling you, if you feel far from God today, God is searching for you. He's looking for you. He's concerned about lost things. And so we get into our story. And I'm going to paraphrase for you instead of reading the whole thing. It's the story of the prodigal son. And it's a story about a father with two sons remember Jesus has already set this up as the father is concerned and looks for lost things and so he tells this third parable this third story and he says there's a father with two sons and one day he had land and he had cattle and one day the younger son came to him and he said I want all my stuff I want all my inheritance I'm sick of being here the father said okay He split it up between his two sons, the younger. Soon after he took his soon after he took his money and he left. And when he left, he went out and he partied and he spent all his money, got himself in trouble, ended up broke, homeless. He got a job tending pigs, sleeping in the pig barn or wherever pigs sleep. And the Bible even says that he had gotten himself in such a bad place that he wanted to eat the pig slop. You got to be in a bad place. Anybody ever been around pigs? Man, them things is nasty. Makes you you wonder why you like them pork chops so much. (laughs) Anyway, so he's sitting in this pig pen and he's like, man, my, my dad's servants eat better than this you know what I find curious about this is I I see the bait and switch that sin does to us how it looks enticing but then whenever you get it it's not as good actually brings death and trouble he thought that taking his inheritance and squandering it and spending it thought it was going to give him everything he needed but it didn't he said man my dad's servants eat better than this so he developed and devised a plan he said I'm going to go home 
He said, you know what? I'm not even going to ask for my place back in my father's house. He said, I'm just going to go and I just want to be a servant. I just want to serve him and I'll, I'll be one of those guys. I don't even want his name back. And so he decides to go home. He heads out on his way. And, and before I go on, I, I, as he was leaving, the reason he said that I want to give everything away is he felt like he had squandered his value. Because when he left, he asked for his inheritance, right? So if he spent his inheritance, then that means that he's going home and he feels like he has no value. And let's just be honest. While we love the Lord, sometimes we don't feel very valuable, do we? We judge ourselves by our failures. We judge ourselves by our struggles. We judge ourselves by others' opinions of us. And this son, he was going home, but he did not feel like he had any value. I need to tell somebody today, you are valuable to the Father. And I call him God a lot, but really my favorite name for God is the Father. Because his love is so deep and so unending and it's so free. And so he thought he'd given all his value away, but he didn't. He didn't know it yet, though. So he heads home. And what I see about this is he's totally broken. I need to tell somebody today that brokenness has to precede better. You're better than your failure. But brokenness has to come before you get better. You see, it's only whenever I'm broken by my sin that I really regret my sin. It's only when I'm broken by my failure that I really regret my failure. Karen, will you come play for me real quick? Kind of like whenever I was messing with that electrical stuff the other day. You know when I regretted it? The moment those currents started going through my veins, I had an instant, oh, Jesus, what did I do moment. <laughs> oh. I tried to look in the mirror. I was wondering if my hair was going to be standing straight up. It, it wasn't. I, I didn't. Anyways. But I instantly regretted it because it emotionally affected me. <laughs> started questioning my life choices. And here's the thing about failure. We don't really regret it until it hits our heart. We don't really regret our failure until it hits us right in our spirit. Yeah, I told you I had a failure in my life, and it wasn't that God scolded me. I tell you what, what, what hit me was that it hit me. I said to myself, man, God, I'm sorry. You know, part of my part of my testimony is that I lived for years struggling with alcohol. And the problem with telling people that you struggle with alcohol is, I mean, let's just be honest, unless you're old school Pentecost, you're like, oh well. It's not like a dirty sin to most people. But you know, one sin I don't talk a lot about because I know how people feel about it is I struggle with pornography for a lot of my life. And in, the, and in today's climate where preachers are failing left and right, 
you know, it's kind of hard to be honest about it. But, I, but as this little failure and I, I was thinking about it, I, I went back to that time in my life where I was really struggling with my relationship with God and my inner tor- turmoil and my addictions. And God reminded me that even in my addiction, I'm loved. And in the middle of my addiction, what broke it wasn't fear of condemnation. It was a revelation of how much God loved me despite my failure. I need to tell you today, there's no way you're going to beat yourself or you can beat somebody else into repentance. That's something only the Holy Spirit can do. So this son, he heads home. Spent all his money. Embarrassed his family, I'm sure. He's devised a plan to be a servant in his father's house. Isn't it funny how sometimes church people, they're just willing to live on good enough? I may not enjoy Christianity, but as long as I get in, that'll do. It's not God's will for your life. The Bible says this, he wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. That he wants us to have rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being. You can't have living water flowing where failure exists. You got to look at your failure for what it is. There comes a point where that prodigal son, he looked at it and said, what did I do? You ever looked at your failures like at the, maybe everything has collapsed around you and you just look around like, how did I get here? That's, that's what the pig pen was for the prodigal. He looked around and said, what did I do? He headed home. He was devising his plan. I'm guessing he's going over his speech in his mind. What I love about this story, I, I don't even know this story is as much about the prodigal returning as it is the father seeking. Because the Bible says this. Maybe you've heard it preached before, but you're going to hear it again because it's good. The Bible says that while he was still off in the distance, the father was looking for him and he saw him. That's so good. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. It's so good. I need to tell somebody. You may, be, you may feel far from God. And, and I, I need everybody to listen. I don't just mean if you haven't put your faith in Jesus. I mean if you've been following him for years, but you feel far from him. I need to tell somebody that whenever the prodigal was on his way back and he was still far off from his home, the father was looking and he saw him. God sees you right where you are. I love that in the middle of this story, we're not even given a timeline of how long it took for this story to unfold. So what that tells me is that on a daily basis, the father would go out and he would look to see if his son is returning. And God does the same thing for us. Even in our failure, when we are content to stay in the middle of our junk, God comes out and he looks for us and he waits for us to turn around and head back to him. It's not his will or his desire for us to live far from him. It's not his desire to do Christianity as good enough to get in. He wants to know us. 
He wants to help us get rid of all this failure and all of this shame out of our lives. He didn't intend for us to live like this, struggling and depressed and and upset about who we've been and the labels that we wear. The Bible says that he saw the son and he ran to him. He ran to him. He gets to him and just him running, that's a sermon in and of itself, but he ran to him and gets to the sun. The sun starts spilling out his speech that he'd rehearsed. He said, Dad, I just want to be a servant. I won't even call you Father. I don't have to have your name. I just want to be a servant in your house. And before he even got through with this speech, the father cut him off. He said, no. He said, we're going to throw a party in your honor, and I'm sure he's thinking, I don't have any honor. I spent all of my honor in my mistakes. Can I tell you that everybody makes mistakes? Just because you've made mistakes in your life, it doesn't disqualify you from God's love. And the father says, no, we're going to throw a party. We're going to get a fatted calf. We're going to get you a new little ring for your hand for a family crest, I'm sure, because you're mine and you're home. And he said, what was, we're celebrating because what was once dead has now come back to life. He said, we're celebrating because you were once lost, but now you're found. Father, the Father cares about lost things. He cares about prodigals. And prodigals exist even on church pews. That's good preaching. Prodigals exist in this very room right now. You may be a prodigal son or daughter, but I need to tell you something. You're still a son or daughter. I was praying about this message and God gave me this thought. Even in the pig pen, the prodigal was still his father's child. You may feel far from God today. You may feel separated from the Lord today but you're still your father's child. And this is what you need to do, if that's you. One of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, two of them. If I had to pick two chapters out of the whole Bible, I'd probably pick these two to take with me. It'd be Romans 7 and 8. See, in Romans 7, I'm closing with this. Romans 7, Paul, 4, 5, Paul's talking about grace and justification and a bunch of church words that we're not going to talk about today. But in Romans 7, Paul starts discussing his failures. He starts discussing the things that he's not proud of. And he makes a few statements that changed my life when I heard them. He said things like, The things I know I should do, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, I do those things. He went on to say, oh, wretched man that I am. Who who can set me free from this? You know, wretched, if you looked it up, it's, it's actually interchangeable with miserable. How many knows you're miserable whenever you're separated from God? 
It's a place of misery whenever you feel far from God. You have times of joy, but they're fleeting and they pass. Especially whenever you've already sat in the Father's house, in the Father's presence, and you know that there's something better. Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who can save me from this trap? But then, in my Bible, I turn the page. Somebody say, turn the page. Come on, say it one more time, turn the page. I turn the page to Romans chapter 8. And this is what Paul says, and this is what somebody needs to receive today. Somebody needs to turn the page in their life. You need to turn the page on your failure. You need to turn the page on your shortcoming. You need to turn the page on your, on your titles that people have given you. You need to let those things go. And this is what you need to grab on. To. Somebody say, grab this. This is what you need to grab today. Because you turn from seven, oh, wretched man that I am. Go to eight. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm not justifying your failure. What I'm saying is that you may have failure in your life, but God's grace is stronger. And you may have failure in your life today, but it's time to turn the page on that. Some of you, you carry failure from years ago. Things that you wish would have never happened. You can't change it, but you still carry it. I wish I wouldn't have gone there. I wish I wouldn't have said that. You need to turn the page on those regrets. You need to turn the page on those things and say, you know what, I can't change those. But now I am in Christ and in Him there is no condemnation. In Him there, the only title is child of God. Today maybe that's you. Maybe you have failure in your life that you're not proud of. Me too. Welcome to the family. One thing I said whenever I took over and you guys voted me in was that I will always be transparent and truthful. I didn't grow up with a church mask and I don't plan on putting one on now. Amen. I'd rather have a room full of broken people seeking Jesus than a few that pretend like they have it all together but then go home to shattered lives. Messages like this are hard to hear. The preaching parts are good. You know, God loves you. You're better than your failure. You are. But they're hard because they call for an action. They call for change. You see, the prodigal, he was sitting in that pig pen and he had a decision to make. He could stay there. Some people like to wallow in their mess. Doesn't make their day any better. Doesn't make their lives any better. They just would rather wallow there. Maybe that's you. I can't do anything for you. That's a decision between you and Jesus, and you've got to figure that out. But I believe there's somebody here today. You're tired of living far from God. 
and you're ready to make that choice, hey, I'm tired of this, man. There's got to be better than what I'm existing in right now. There's got to be something more. So the action that it calls for is to admit our failure to the Lord and give it to Him. question for you as we get ready to close and I'm going to do an altar call is this what would your life look like if you forgave yourself the way God does what would your life look like if you looked at yourself like God looks at you You see, sometimes we wear these, would you stand with me? Sometimes we wear these identities, we wear these failures, we wear, we wear these struggles. And they become who we are. I need to tell somebody today, your failure is not final. And the blood of Jesus makes you better. You see, whenever I put my struggle under the blood of Jesus, the Bible says that that blood, it washes me as white as snow. It says that whenever I run to Him, His blood, it speaks mercy over my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm coming, I'm speaking to you today out of a heart that this week was broken over the understanding of my need for redemption. So I'm not talking to you out of judgment. I'm not preaching to you out of with fingers pointed at you. Today I'm speaking out of my own experience where I understand whether I'm a new saint or, or I've been saved for 50 years. There are times where failure creeps into our hearts and we need to get our hearts right. And so today if that's you and you've got failure in your life, You've got something in your life that you know God is not pleased with. And you want to hand it over to Him. Now's the time. I want you to lift your hand. Come on, don't let pride talk you out of this. God knows. Remember, Adam and Eve knew, God knew where Adam and Eve were. There's a couple hands that went up, but I just got to believe there's more than that. I know this is hard. Every head bowed, nobody looking around. I know this is hard. Had a few hands go up, but I'm telling you, I'm giving you this opportunity, and I'm on, I'm, I don't even want, I'm borderline begging you because I was there. I've been there. And it's better to admit it, to lay it down so that you can walk with the Lord. So one last time, if that's you, and you need, you got some things you need to lay down before the Father. You got some things you need to apologize to the Lord for. You need to lift your hand and you need to give it to Him right now. God sees those hands. 
us. He's upsetting us. This morning, would you would you join me in prayer this morning? Would you, everyone in here, if you will, would you just lift your hands this morning to the Lord and as a sign of submission? Lord, you've seen every hand that was raised. Father, every one of those hands, God, it represents a struggle. It represents a failure, Lord. And Father, I pray over each and every one of those hands that were raised, God. Father, I pray over them in the name of Jesus that you, God, would meet them where they are. Father, you know exactly where they are, Lord. You know the struggle that they are carrying, Lord. And I pray that every chain would be broken, Lord. Father, that failure that they're carrying, Lord, it does not, it's not their identity, God. It doesn't trap them. It's not a prison for them today, Lord. But they are free in you, and we cover that thing with the blood of Jesus. Father, today we pray over each and every one of these that lifted their hands, Lord. Father, we pray that your blood would speak mercy over their lives, Lord. Father, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that every chain that has bound them down, Lord God, every, uh, every, every label that has been attached to them, Lord, it's been replaced as child of God. That label has been replaced today, Lord, and they are a child of God. Father, we love you love you, Lord. We thank you. Father, I pray over these people today, those that are here that need to know your voice, that need to hear you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your grace and your mercy would speak to their hearts. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the service today, God. We thank you for what you've done here today. We praise you, Lord. We love you. Keep us safe.